Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Ravenslayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school, but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. And before I introduce our topic, I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. And we're back from Colorado. I finally made it back. I had COVID, it turns out, and that's why I haven't done shows in a while. I was pretty sick. But I'm all better now. So anyway, bear with us. We will try to get back on our regular schedule of getting a podcast out every two weeks. We actually have two topics tonight. 
We're going to talk a little bit about social and dating skills for women, and then also enhanced sexual pleasures for women. So everything's going to be really good tonight because I'm feeling so good just getting back to Houston, being in Colorado for the whole summer. It was just fabulous. And I feel really psyched about our show tonight. Paul, you want to say anything about the social and dating skills? So I know that I went through my own through my own issues growing up. I had to I didn't really learn social skills at the same pace that most people did. And it really took me a long time to come into my own. And like my issue was that I was really, really intense and I kind of scared people away by being way too intense. And that kind of gets into, so there's not just one way to be bad at social skills. There's lots of different forms of being bad at social skills. And for me, it came from being like neuroatypical and a lot of social skill problems come from different kinds of neuroatypicality. Some people are autistic and wind up talking in very literal ways that can be confusing to neurotypical people. Sometimes with ADD and ADHD, you have problems staying on topic and it seems like you're constantly changing topics when it makes complete logical sense to you, the the jumps of logic that you make. There can be any number of different things. And whatever issue it is that you have, like it might take some time to figure out like how it is that you communicate and how it differs from neurotypical people and steps that you can take to work around it. Mm-hmm. And I know for a lot of women, especially a little bit older women who grew up in the era that I did, women were supposed to be a little bit more submissive and not be real loud and kind of on the shy side. And oftentimes they were culturated to not speak out and not talk about sex. And that can be a real issue in a relationship. When you can't talk about sex, how do you communicate what you want? How do you even know what you want? Especially, I know a lot of women that I knew growing up, they didn't even know where their clitoris was or how to get themselves off. They never masturbated. And so... Oftentimes, communication can be an issue. 
And part of what we like to do on this show is to create a safe environment where we can talk about these things and discuss things that are issues and how to resolve those issues. And like with most things when it comes to interpersonal communication, like taking time to talk through things really, really helps a lot. It can be scary, like especially if you're not used to talking about sex to to discuss these things. But it is really, really necessary if you want to have a good sex life. A lot of times people are afraid that if they really say out loud what their desires are, that they might be judged, that they might, that their partner might lose interest. But if your partner loses interest because you tell them what you want, that person isn't really worth your time. I would like to jump in and say that if you want to break the ice, have your partner listen to this show with you. It's a good way to kind of introduce safely the whole topic of talking about sex. And that way you can kind of listen to a few episodes and then the subject will come up. All of a sudden there'll be a, a perk of interest. And... One of the things that I had trouble with when I first started having sex was being able to communicate well with partners. I'm ADHD and dyslexic and have a whole slew of other learning disabilities. And oftentimes it's hard for me to communicate to my partner. But there are some nonverbal forms of communication. I created the erotic body map which is an exercise on how to map out your erogenous zones and the things that give you pleasure and then share it with your partner. And it's a graphical kind of thing where you don't have to always communicate verbally. You can sometimes communicate with other means. Mm-hmm. And this is a great way to show each other what you like on your body because I've got the tools to map out yourself and have your partner map out themselves and share with each other exactly what you get pleasure from and how you get pleasure. And we always think that communication has to be spoken, but sometimes... Nonverbal communication can be just as effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that with me, like one of the things that was a big like breakthrough realization for me is like I always thought that when I was even in my 20s and early 30s, I always thought that I wasn't good at flirting, that I just didn't have, like, the skills to really get laid very well. 
but I always thought that they had to like hide things behind innuendo and I like there was a certain way to like talk real sexy that didn't really come out and like state what I I wanted but we'd be on the same page and blah 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 and I didn't have a lot of success with that and it wasn't until I grew up a little bit more and I just started being very blunt about what I wanted and what I was interested in is where I would like literally be like hey by the way I think that you're really attractive and if you're interested in sex I'd like to have sex with you and just putting things bluntly wound up being really effective and like really helping a lot and sometimes the answer is no and you have to be really really good at like accepting it when the answer is no but also more like more often than I had thought it would be the answer was yes and like it really helped a lot when I realized I didn't have to play games I didn't have to couch things and in innuendo and have this because like a lot of times when like we see like tv shows and movies and, and media and books there's this like heavy flirtation that happens and someone is very suave and says all the right words and they don't really come out and ask for sex and then People wind up having sex and that, like you get this idea that that's the way that seduction is supposed to work. And like when I gave that up and I just started communicating my desires and my wants very plainly, that's when I started being successful in having the sex that I wanted to have. Another thing that is kind of intriguing to me and I didn't realize this, we judge ourselves so harshly. And I thought, who would want to have sex with me? But when I first started asking both boys and girls, because I'm bisexual, do you want to have sex with me? Do you want me to lick your pussy or suck your dick? I had a lot of people say, oh, yes, I'd enjoy that. And one of the things I discovered was that we're all kind of socialized to be anti-sex, sex negative. And once you open that door and say, hey, do you want to get a blowjob or do you want me to eat you out? All of a sudden, it's like the walls come down and people are wanting it. People are hungry for it. Or a lot of people are. A lot of people aren't. But that's okay. Because I found I got laid a hell of a lot more and had good, pleasurable sex a lot more when I was just upfront and honest in my desires. It gave people the permission to be honest and open with their desires. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like one of the things to also keep in mind is... So there's a lot of different levels between 
full-blown penetrative sex or just oral, just doing hand stuff. Maybe you just want to cuddle. Like there's a lot of different levels and people tend to be very black and white when it comes to different forms of intimacy. And like a lot of times, like I find that being open with like a lot of times people aren't looking for sex but like they're open to cuddling or to maybe hand stuff or maybe just kissing or or whatever and like putting it out there like a what your boundaries are and and b like what you're open to really helps a lot too you can be like if someone is like, I'd like to have sex with you, you can be like, well, right now I just feel like cuddling and maybe making out, but we can see where it goes after that or any number of different things. And I'd like to kind of jump in here and say that oftentimes we think of sex only or I've known a lot of people that think of sex as only penis and vagina or penis and anus. And there are many different forms of sex that can be very pleasurable and enjoyable. And just being open to playing safely and being close, and I think part of it too is intimacy. So often we crave the intimacy and we confuse intimacy with sex. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we think, oh, if I get intimate, it's going to lead to sex. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to. Yeah. Oftentimes we can get into just being close and holding each other naked and without the sex, mm-hmm. just being that close is. It's hard to put into words, but it's a very special experience. Yeah. And you know me, I love sex, but I also like the intimacy without sex from time to time. That Mm -hmm. can be a very special bonding moment. Yeah. And it can help improve your social skills. Mm -hmm. To really get that close and vulnerable with another person is... A very amazing exercise, in a sense. I say exercise in air quotes, but it can be a very special moment. And you can connect at a very deep level, both with sex and without, just with the intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of wanted to throw that in, because sometimes intimacy can be a good pathway to opening the door to improving social skills with sex Mm -hmm. yeah and like another thing that i'd like to say is sometimes people have more general issues with social skills but there are a lot of times where people don't really have issues with social skills in general but then when the topic of sex comes up or when they are pursuing sex or when someone is pursuing sex with them, 
things get a lot more awkward, and this can happen either through sexual trauma or through having a very regressive, like, upbringing. Like, a lot of times when you grow up in a very religious household, this can happen. And it might be that you want to not be so awkward around sex, but find yourself really awkward anytime the concept of sex comes up through, like, your background. And, like, first of all, like, know that you're not alone. There's a lot of people who are, who experience that, who are experiencing that. And that it's, it's okay to, to find yourself in that situation. And I'm glad you brought that up because oftentimes we have a lot of fear around sex. It's unfamiliar for a lot of us starting out. I know when I first started out, it, it felt very awkward. I thought, oh, I have these desires. And I think part of the picture for me was that I thought I was alone in those desires, that my partner, I was trying to push something on a partner that they didn't want. And it took me a while to discover that, hey, we all have sexual bodies. We all have desires. It's not something that's a rare phenomenon. It's very common. And once I discovered that how common it is that, hey, we all get horny. We all want it. It's built into our system. And that really kind of opened the door for me. Just that realization that, okay, it's okay to ask for it. It's okay to want it. Give yourself permission because too often we think, oh, I'm the only one. <laughs> and by saying, hey, it's okay for me to ask. As long as I accept no as an answer, it's okay. No is not a rejection of me. It's a rejection of the sex itself. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. There's plenty of people out there that will say yes. <laughs> and another thing that can cause uh, that can cause a kink is, you, and it also is one of the problems that comes from being brought up in a very regressive household is if you realize that you're queer. And you grow up in in a household that doesn't really accept queerness. It can be very difficult to to embrace that in yourself later. And you like I know with myself personally, I I had a lot of sexual trauma around like my queerness. With me, it came from being molested but there's all sorts of things that can lead to this and it it took me a long time to really like I was past 30 when I first got with another boy not that I'm a boy I'm non-binary but anyway but it it took me a long time to 
be able to accept that I was bisexual. And I think that that's a very common thing. And it can really lead to a lot of confused like feelings where you have this drive in one part of you and then this knee-jerk reaction against it in another part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not just on a sexual side. There's also gender identity. And I'm glad you brought up the non-binary. It's like oftentimes people struggle with the Am I really a female or am I really a male? Or am I something else? I know I went through that. And that can be a difficult time. And that can affect sexual desire. It can affect sexual communications. It's like, if I don't know what I want or what I am, how can I even begin to tell a partner who and what I am and what I desire. Yeah, especially... It gets confusing. Like, and another thing, having, like, issues around your gender and, like, gender identity and discovering it uh, is if you have any kind of gender dysphoria, it can feel really icky or gross to have someone, like look at your genitals, you might have a lot of really negative feelings around your genitals or maybe other secondary sex characteristics. If you have breasts, unless you didn't have breasts, like there's a lot of weird feelings that come along with that. And that can be very difficult to communicate with a partner, especially if they're not well-versed in transness. Mm-hmm. And it's not just transness, it's especially for women, they're so culturated to be pretty and beautiful and sexy, but not too sexy, and be able to present this package like it's some kind of market or something. And we're not commodities, we're human beings. Mm-hmm. And so much of this sex-negative culture can get in our way to having a really fulfilling, pleasurable sexual experience. And so I think part of it, too, with communication is take some time to discover who and what you are first. I had to go through that. I was born a hermaphrodite, intersex. And I knew even very young that I wasn't a real boy. I didn't fit in. I didn't know what I was. And I had to discover that for myself. And once I did, there was this kind of calm and balance and this amazing part of my life just opened up because I realized I'm not what they said I was. They lied to me. I'm here to say that you are the one to determine who and what you are, not somebody else. 
And I had, that was a big stumbling block. I had so many people telling me what I was supposed to be, what I should be. And learning how to really balance oneself first helps so much in being able to communicate to others. Because if you're lost, how can you give someone guideposts? Yeah. And a lot of times as we grow up and we're learning, like there's all sorts of things that might seem small to the people around us. They may even seem small at the time that have like really deep effects on us long term. And a lot of times you don't really see those things when they're happening. It's only with hindsight and looking back on it that you can tell like the things that really, really are affect you and hurt you. And a lot of times those things can lead to specific kinks. They can lead to kinks that might feel shameful to, to some people. And whatever you desire, as long as you aren't hurting anyone with what you pursue, it, like it's really no one's business except for the people engaged in the act and and also whatever you're into there's someone else who is into that same thing you are not alone you aren't so weird that there's that there's no one that will like understand that kink mhm mm and one thing that kind of flashed through my mind while you were talking is that too often we are so judgmental on ourselves. We're harder on ourselves often than our worst enemy. Take some time and make peace with that. Make peace with yourself. And know that you are worthy. It's my belief and my vision to create a more sex-positive world where we all are worthy of pleasures and joy and a good sex life. Believe it or not, our bodies are designed as sexual bodies. What you're feeling is part of how you were designed by the creator. Whatever belief system you have, whether it's evolution or whatever, we're designed for sex. Our whole, not just our genitals, but our neurological system, our brains, our emotions, everything is designed in part for having good pleasure in sex. Oh, wow, we're already to station break. 
time wise flies on this show. And we have Chris joining us now. Hi. <laughs> and for station break, I do want to remind people to visit my websites. I've got ravenslayerleather.com and ggwilber.com. And, and that, that website is the letter G, the letter G, W I L B U R.com. And Chris has some amazing photos and oh, videos you. that she has up. And I'm going to let them describe Let's. what's on their site and where you can find it. All right. So, again, to introduce myself, I'm Chris. I'm 25. I'm a nursing student and an artist, but I also make and sell explicit content on Fansly. So if you'd like to check me out, you can go to fansly.com slash chrysanthemumflower, and you'll see my posts. I have three different tiers. The way that you spell that out is F-A-N-S-L-Y dot com slash C-H-R-Y-S-A-N-T-H-E-M-U-M-F-L-O-W-E-R. I know it's a mouthful, but it's totally worth it. I know that if you are into vaginas, <laughs> I have one. is very beautiful. Well, thank I've you, Gigi. <laughs> yes, yes. Everyone on this podcast has seen it, and Paul has interacted with it quite intimately. Uh, Paul actually helped me film some of the content that's that I'm going to be uploading, so I'm super stoked, and it was really fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And like I say, if you're interested in learning about body image healing or the erotic body map or any of the things that I've developed to help heal and help you gain the tools to live a more sex-positive lifestyle, Very check out my websites. <laughs> I will be checking out those websites. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to add to station break? Yeah. Like one of the ways that you can help support our podcast is by visiting our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash ladyboy And whether you donate a dollar a month or $3, $5, a hundred thousand dollars a month all, all donations really help us put out this content and help us continue to bring this sex education that you should have gotten in high school and never did mm -hmm. and i think that's part of this show is that we don't get a proper sex education we don't know about our bodies and how they work. And that's what the show is all about, is to teach you how to enjoy the pleasures that is our birthright. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was very lucky to have gotten a pretty comprehensive sex education up until high school, but there's still so much to learn and so much to teach as well. So I'm really excited to continue learning. 
Mm-hmm. And we have the tools, baby. Hell uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well, back to our show. Are y'all ready to move to our second topic? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's get into enhanced sexual pleasures for women. <laughs> Woohoo! And I think the first step in really enjoying the female body is to learn the anatomy. That's one of the training films I have is sexual anatomy. I did, uh, I ran across this study a while back. They had a hundred people, 50 males, 50 females, draw a picture of the penis and a vulva. And about 100% got the penis right. 99%, I think, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. You know how many got right the vulva? 10%, if I'm generous. 2%. 2%. Yeah. This no, includes tracks. women. Fifty women didn't even know their own bodies. Luckily, I can draw a pretty anatomically accurate vulva. Yeah. Um, being an artist and having one myself, I am able to study it. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many women don't study their own vulva? It's sad. It is. And I've personally helped a lot of people with vaginas learn more about their self and their and how to how to experience pleasure. Yay for you. <laughs> That's oh, it's gonna so hold your awesome. Hand. Oh, okay. Yay. <laughs> We're all holding hands. Yes. <laughs> but I feel it's shameful that we live in such a culture that roughly half the population doesn't even know their own body. Yeah. And the other half don't know the female body. Yeah. So one thing I love about the clitoris is that it extends down into your labia. So whenever you're stimulating your clitoris, it's not just the head that you can stimulate. You can stimulate, you can put your fingers down your labia and still feel the clitoris because once you're aroused, it's enlarged. Yeah, the clitoris has legs. Yeah, <laughs> love those legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> legs for days. Legs for days. And I think that that's part of the enhanced pleasure is the first step is learn your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learn how it works. Explore it. Mm-hmm. I remember exploring my body. I did an exercise years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm where I took a mirror, I looked at my, not only my anus, but my perineum, my balls, my dick, and the scar tissue from the surgeries. Mm -hmm. 
that were done on me without consent. And I discovered places that gave me both masculine pleasures and feminine pleasures. But it was through that exercise of exploring it through the mirror that I discovered parts that were, I didn't even know existed. The mirror exercise is fantastic. Oh, it is. I go over a lot of my own content and study like how my vulva and vagina looks. And I also study through feeling while I am performing or just having fun with a partner without the pressure of making content either. I just love exploring. I've had a lot of issues with it in the past. I'm still struggling with issues, but it's very freeing to learn more about yourself. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that happened for me growing up, I didn't know I was intersex until I was in college and I was about 24, 25. That's when I discovered what they did. Mm -hmm. And it was through mirror exercises and through exploring my body that I found the female parts hidden deep inside that didn't get removed. Yeah. And I discovered how to have female orgasms. How exciting. Aren't they great? Oh, they are like. I kind of explain it like male orgasms are like a volcano erupting. Female orgasms are like waves lapping on the beach, Mm -hmm. one after another. See, I actually have somewhat of a refractory period after I orgasm. Uh I do have to wait a little while. And Paul here has brought up that I also may be intersex due to some physical features that I have. And that's something that... I think he may be. Yeah. It's Uh, more common than people believe. Oh, it is. Yeah. And I'd love to explore that more. One out of 500 babies are intersex, have some sort of intersex condition. (laughs) Actually, like one of the things that's really interesting is... uh, Intersex conditions are more common than red hair hair genes. Like gingers are less common than intersex people on the world, but most people who are intersex don't know that they are. It's been the medical secret. Big one. Big one. (laughs) And they eradicated our gender. I mean, especially tried to. <laughs> especially at the time when Gigi was born, like when, like you, you can't always tell when a baby is born that it is intersex. But when Gigi was born, like when it was obvious from birth, a lot of times it was hidden from the child, and sometimes from the parents of that child. Hmm. And I bring this up because so many women experience the same things I experienced growing up, but in a kind of offset way. Could you elaborate? I'm curious. Yeah. I was droned in to be more masculine. And it was seen as a power down 
And I had female friends that were droned in to be less masculine, less assertive. Okay, yeah. So, see, growing up, I rebelled against those. Yeah. I would. I tended to dress more masculine when I was younger. I tended to try to act more masculine. That also plays into me realizing that I'm trans, non-binary. Uh, and... Well, I've got something I want to throw into mm -hmm. you. A girl can cross-dress and not be noticed. Yeah. A boy can't. Which is a shame. It is. Because I love when AMAB people cross-dress. Mm -hmm. Like, to put it simply, I love boys in dresses. I've got a story to tell. <laughs> There's, uh, back in the day when we had the Westheimer Art Festival, and I had my 750 Honda motorcycle, mm. I put on, I was, it was really totally, I was into being out there, expressive, so I wear the, wore this feminine leather top and a leather skirt on my motorcycle. And I got to the corner of Taft and Westheimer. And I was coming down Taft, so it's a really long light. And this couple was staring at me from the corner. And the woman said, is that a boy or a girl? And the guy, he kind of rubbed his beard and he said, neither. Good answer. That's a bitch, lesbian, biker chick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a dyke on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Love that for you. <laughs> Did you have something you wanted to say? No. It was one of the highlights of my... And the, that was shortly after I learned I was intersex. And I thought, ooh, wow. Sometimes I can pass at something other than what they want to make me be. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a related story. And then yeah. when I was in seventh grade, I had... There is this boy, he innocently asked me, so are you a boy or a girl? And that was my first gender crisis. I started crying. I couldn't figure out why. And then I just put that in the closet for a few years. Uh, um, but recently... Uh, I feel for you, babe. Bless. Thank you. <laughs> um, but after I realized I was non-binary, came out, started presenting as my true self, I've had a few people who could not figure out what my assigned gender at birth was, such as Paul. Paul did not know if I was AMAB or AFAB at first, which gave me so much gender euphoria. I mean, so honestly, when I first met them, I, I honestly thought that they were a transgender girl that they had been assigned male at birth and had just been on hormones. And that, like, that's the reason that they seemed so uh, gender fluid, and and then I was wrong, and it was hot. You're hot. 
But that was that was a very uh, euphoric experience for me. But I'd like to get back to our topic. Yes, I'm so sorry. No, no, it's, this is great. We always sidetrack on this show. But I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the things you can do after you've discovered your body to really enhance sexuality. And it took me a number of years to discover this. I kind of got a little taste of it when I was young. It was something called tantric sex and Taoist sexual techniques. And I learned the spiritual side of sexuality and how to edge an orgasm and how to take things to a whole new level. And this is true for both people with penises and vaginas. Or anything in between. Or anything in between. You can, our bodies are designed for ecstasy if we know the tricks. (laughs) And that's one of the things I've worked on for many years is learning some of the tricks. One of the things that happens often with couples is they get hot and bothered and jump right in and go for the goodies. They lost the ability to entice, and as in Rocky Horror Picture Show, the anticipation. <laughs> anticipation. Patience. <laughs> <laughs> Oftentimes when you build up that, you just touch around. We've talked about tantric circles on this show. Touch around the hot spots. Tease them. Maybe go in a little bit for taste and then back away. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy that. And build that anticipation, build that craving, build that desire. Yeah, my best, and, sorry, my no, my best orgasms have come from sex that had a lot of like, I, I would say foreplay, but um, so I have one partner who we were on a long drive and we were shut up (laughs) we were just uh flirting and um we like we were kissing in traffic because traffic was an excuse to kiss and sharing lip balm and all that and just the whole ride acted as like some kind of foreplay because we were learning about each other we were flirting with each other like he had his hand on my thigh at the end of the ride and i was just ready to explode pretty much <laughs> and another feeling <laughs> i as soon as we got back into town i i jumped in i couldn't stop myself <laughs> well i've got a story and i don't think paul's even heard this story Ooh. i was on one of my road trips on my motorcycle and i met this woman and she she wanted a ride, so I said, okay, hop on. I had an extra helmet. We were somewhere, I think, in Arizona, where it's just total emptiness. And there's this one spot on the freeway, so I took the exit, 
where there's this high bridge over the main freeway. And I parked the bike and we had hot sex in the middle of the day. There's no traffic, no, nobody around on the motorcycle. On I mean, we stripped totally naked and fucked on the motorcycle. Amazing. It was so hot. I mean, and it was literally hot. I mean, I'm oh, I talking bet. Arizona. <laughs> heat waves. Sweaty, sticky we heat. Were, it was sweaty, sticky heat. It was so impassionate. And I got so off on it. I mean, we were sticking together. Mm -hmm. We were so sweaty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was delicious. <laughs> oh, I bet. Sounds like it. Mm -hmm. I tell you, after riding a motorcycle for a few hundred miles, those vibrations do something to you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Down there. <laughs> Time for me to get a motorcycle. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to just kind of open the door to new sexual explorations. Mm -hmm. Because there are so many ways we can make sex so much hotter mm -hmm. if we want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. Oh, I just wanted to cut in to, like, kind of get back to our topic. Because, like, I know one of the big things, like, with the way that, like, women are culturated in our society, like, women are really culturated to put the sexual desires and needs of their partners first and not really focus on their own sexual desires and needs. And like one of the things that this leads to is a lot of times people who are assigned female at birth can have a string of like boyfriends who are terrible at sex and have no idea that like their partners are just bad and that's the reason they aren't getting off. They think that, like, there's something wrong with them. When, like, no, like, guys are often just given, like, a free pass and, like, are shitty at sex. And then if you have sex with, like, 12 guys that are shitty at sex, do you just think that that's what sex is? And, like, unfortunately, it, it can really, like give you a, a like a syndrome or you know a, it, it can cause problems and i've said this on the show before 40 percent of women do not experience any feeling during penal vaginal intercourse that the sex button on women is the clitoris oh yeah yeah it's not the vagina <laughs> Though I do like penetration with clitoral stimulation. That oh, is yes. A1 steak sauce. I mean, there is a fullness, and I've experienced that anally, where when a guy comes inside you, it fills you up, and there is that sensation. But that's not the same as... 
Yeah, I do enjoy myself a safe raw dog. <laughs> That's why I have an IUD. Ah, yeah. And I love sex. I mean, all forms. But I also like to get my partners off, whether boy or girl. I've given guys blowjobs that have afterwards said, I've never experienced mm -hmm. anything quite like what you just did. Mm -hmm. I have also gotten that compliment. It is very, very, it, it's it's an ego stroker for sure. Because mm -hmm. I got that guck guck 3000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Baby, I know how to deep that. <laughs> so do I. Oh, good. I have good very little gag reflex. I have thrown up on a dick before, though. My bad. He still teases me about it. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. Oh, okay. I mean, I've thrown up on your dick. Yeah. <laughs> Did I? I mean, no, I not on a regular basis. Yeah. Not on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But once in a while, it can be kind of kinky and fun. Yeah. I mean, also, I was able to swallow most of it. By the way. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I swallow it back down when it happens. Yeah. I can't say uh, that's one thing I haven't done yet is thrown up on a dick. Oh. Well, it's it's time for you to suck my dick. Uh, <laughs> <all> right, <baby. laughs> I wish I had a dick. <laughs> I, I, I might be able to help you with that. Hell yeah. I've had many a one female or person with vagina use one of my special dildos oh yeah it's two-headed and one of them's strapless where you can fuck a boy up the ass while it's inside you get lots of clitoral stimulation because it has little knobbies mm -hmm. in the right spot. i'm familiar with those i'm a lesbian ish I'm 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 more attracted to gender nonconforming people, but I call myself a lesbian. Just Hell, because. I'm a dyke on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Labels are there for you to play with. Oh yeah, but back to our topic. I do want to t turn to a little bit of the spiritual side of sexuality. We are. It is my belief that we were energy beings within a physical body. I agree with that. And there are times when I have had that connection so deeply through tantric sex, forming that genital heart connection, where my energy and my partner's energy melded mm -hmm. I had somewhat of a tantric sex session it was only eight hours it's nothing to rival anything either of you have done but it I was mean, eight hours is nothing to sneeze at and <laughs> this isn't a contest no I know but it was fun it was uh, a lot of tell fun. us about your experience so I was with a comet partner and this was while, fun fun fact, I was being held hostage and I had snuck him in. And so he would, we would just 
go from oh. sorry i i accidentally messed up the pronouns they they use they them pronouns but they would eat me out they would tease me we would we would lay together and cuddle and then start going back at it and there was a lot of flirting foreplay involved there was a lot of there were a lot of orgasms involved on both both sides all right and <laughs> Yeah, it only ended because the guy who was holding me hostage came back from work. <laughs> oh, no. But it was so much fun. And at one point, I was I was smoking a cigarette out of the window, and I dropped my pack, and he did, or they did the most romantic thing ever. They held me by my feet so I could hang out of the window and pick up my pack of cigarettes because I wasn't allowed to go outside. I was like, aw. You'll hold me by the ankle so I can grab my cigarettes? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's so awesome it was so much fun they were they were a lot of fun to be with well i want to also say that sometimes spiritual sexuality can happen in the most unusual circumstances it certainly mm. was unusual yeah <laughs> well i had an experience we were at a park at three o'clock in the morning and this was back in the day when they had the big giant swing sets with the wooden seats mm -hmm. i mean it was incredible i sat down in the seat and i had this girlfriend at the time that sat in my lap and i was wearing shorts so i could pull my dick out and she was wearing a mini skirt and she hopped right on it and we swung ourselves to orgasm That's after awesome. orgasm and you know that tingly feeling you get when you swing really high it's yeah. like that intensified the sex big time and that was i consider that one of my unusual kind of spiritual sexual experiences because I felt things I'd never felt before. And I felt a connection. And we looked into each other's eyes as we swung. And each, when we got almost weightless at the top, then we swung down to the bottom. And she, like, became twice as heavy and penetrated me deeply. And then we came back up to the weightless state. It was like this incredible connection. We're looking into each other's eyes in the moonlight, and there's a full moon that night. And I just felt this powerful connection and and tingly feelings and everything just kind of congealed into this spiritual moment. It's incredible. Sounds like it. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the swings, I just looked up and saw the moon, full moon above us. And it was like, wow. I saw her face in the moon. 
Yeah. <laughs> On spiritual sexuality and enhanced sexuality, we can't end this show without talking a little bit about edging. And I know you've had some experience. Yes. And mm -hmm. I know I've taught Paul how to edge. Oh, yeah. Y'all want to talk a little bit about edging? And we're talking about edging and orgasm. And edging can be so amazing. I mean, I used to think I had such amazing orgasms. And then I got into edging and took it to a whole new level. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But what are some of y'all's experiences with edging? So I, I can tell you my most recent experience with ed edging. So as I've mentioned on the show recently, I about three months ago, I got on HRT and it has really changed the way I experience orgasms. Most of the time when I have an orgasm right now, I don't like, I don't really shoot. I like kind of dribble and there's not really any, like it's all pre-cum. It's not even really like, ejaculate. like normal ejaculate. Yeah. But recently I had an experience where I had a really wonderful night with Chris here and um, with another partner of ours and we had just like a really amazing beautiful bonding experience and then it was amazing and then then their partner went to bed and Chris left for the day and I was still ramped up and worked up and I wound up edging for a number of hours and it kept on like I was able to really stay on that edge of orgasm and where I w was ready to come at any second and able to extend that for several hours to stay completely mm -hmm. on the edge for like two or three hours and when I finally came, like, it was the first time I had really, like, shot an orgasm. And there was actually, like, some, like, semen in it. Like, I could see that, like, it was white when it hasn't been that way in a long time. And, like, oh, my God, for that, like, a lot of times for AMAB folk, like, when... You have an orgasm, you have an orgasm, and it feels good for, you know, 30 seconds. Sometimes you're in afterglow for like another 30 minutes or something. But for me, I stayed in that afterglow for hours and hours. Like I fell asleep and then I woke up and I was still feeling the afterglow. And oh, it was <laughs> so incredible. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. I didn't know that, so thank you for telling me. Um, bless. Yeah. So I'm going to counter Paul's latest experience with my first experience with edging. So it was my first girlfriend and I, and we decided to experiment with edging because we both, you know, theoretically were into it. So we would 
switch between eating each other out and fingering each other until we almost came. And so I'd be eating her out and she'd be rubbing my clit and I would just be riding that edge. And so would she. And this went on for a few hours until I accidentally came first. I lost the game. But no, it was, you still won it. <laughs> I, it. Everyone's a winner in this game. And it was amazing. And in my afterglow, I I got her off so hard that she knocked out. She passed out. And I actually got kind of worried. But she was fine. She woke up and she was like, wow. <laughs> and then we went to go see her family for a barbecue. <laughs> oh, baby. Hot meat. Yeah. <laughs> I know that, well, Paul's seen me edge. And sometimes when a boy edges, your balls get so swollen with cum. I mean, my balls doubled in size just from edging. For, well, I do supreme edging. I mean, yeah. long time, long Many hours. I can tell you when you do finally come at the end of it, it's unlike any other orgasm you've ever had. Agreed. It is so amazing. It's like, and I think this is part of the spiritual side. It's like all of a sudden I've actually had out-of-body orgasms from edging that's something on my bucket list my okay. fuck it list <laughs> i actually was floating above the room watching myself orgasm and orgasming at a spirit level it's hard to put into words yeah i mean there we don't have a good vocabulary around mm -hmm. spiritual stuff yeah, like one of the things with edging is that it becomes much more of a full body experience. Like, oh, definitely. So, like one of the things me and Gigi talk about a lot on the show and like in general is that so many people keep their sex energy just entirely in their genitals. And when they have orgasms, it like stays in the genitals but when you like really spread that energy throughout your entire body before you have an orgasm when you do like you feel it in your fingers and your toes and every strand of your hair and all of the hairs on your arms and legs and just every inch of your body and it's incredible Mm-hmm. And I'd like to ask your perspective, because we seldom get people with vaginas on the show. Well, hopefully I'll or be vulvas. A, yeah, hopefully I'll be a <laughs> regular visitor. So yeah. when I orgasm, it's almost always a full body experience. So mm -hmm. um, and a lot of females or people with vulvas experience that. Yeah, and I, I count myself very thankful for that, uh -huh. or very uh, fortunate for that. But when I edge, it's 
the orgasm lasts a lot longer and like Paul mentioned, the afterglow lasts a lot longer. And so I, while when I orgasm, I feel it throughout my whole body edging, just the tingles. Yeah. (laughs) Just everywhere. And every touch feels like absolute ecstasy when you get to that point of like writing the edge uh, it's just some it's an immaculate experience and it's really hard to describe uh i'll have to think deeply into it and to find the right words yeah. write an essay or yeah. something <laughs> well now the there's times when i've edged for sometimes a week and it's like everything in my body is screaming for an orgasm yeah begging for it (laughs) begging i mean i'm desperate at that point oh i like making people beg oh me too (laughs) and when i do finally orgasm it's like my whole body explodes i've had orgasms that have lasted ejaculatory orgasms that come in waves that lasted over five, maybe ten minutes. I think the longest and, orgasm I've had was about five minutes. Yeah. Need to up my game. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I've kind of reached a kind of space within myself. It's like when I reach that point, and I'm with a partner and we connect that deeply and we've put that much energy. And we're uh, a big part of my belief system is that sex is energy. We're all energy. Everything is energy. Yeah. And when we build that energy up to that pinnacle and then bring it to that fruition it is there's no words mm-hmm. also, it's Kravana. yeah <laughs> i also wanted to add that the intimacy of being with someone like hearing the noises they make touching their body and just being with someone in that intimate a way is so fulfilling and so amazing because it feels like you mm-hmm. get to know someone so much better in a way that words can never suffice. And mm-hmm. seeing them writhe and squirm and mm-hmm. ooh, it's so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and like another thing that I, I will say is that a lot of times when people have sex, like right after they get done like both people collapse and then they they might cuddle but they're not still really active and one of the things i have found is after i get a partner off if i like rub my fingers through their hair and just kind of softly touch their body as they're going through orgasm that can really like enhance the experience and like really extend it oh it and, does you've done that to me it's I, immaculate I, I, I know, I know. It's, it's almost like i do it on purpose maybe 
Oh my. We're at the top of the hour already. Dang. Time flies. It really does. <laughs> but I like as I like to end every show, any takeaways for each of y'all? I've really yeah. enjoyed being on the show for the first time, and I've always loved talking openly about sex, so I'm excited that more people get to hear things that people don't often talk about. And I'm in wonderful company. We're all very open, and it's just, it's been a great experience for me. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I'd, I'd like to leave off the way I do a lot of the time. Um, I know that a lot of times people just need like to hear someone give them permission to embrace their sexuality and their desires and their wants. And like that's really what it comes down to is that you you were born inside of a sexual body. It is your birthright to experience pleasure. And there is nothing wrong with experiencing pleasure. And you should pursue it you should pursue it actively and not not feel any guilt around like wanting what you want. Big agree. Mm-hmm. And I would like to kind of end this with part of my life vision has been to create a more sex-positive world where we can be sexually expressive and free. And I think I'm accomplishing that little by little. I know in my own life I have. I've been doing... My morning affirmations, erotic affirmations every morning mm-hmm. for a number of years. And lately, they've been getting so intense. I'm and happy for you. I know that I think part of it is a realization that there are more sex positive people in the world today than there were when I was born. The world's making progress bit by bit. And I think part of that is due to me. Part of it's due to a lot of people that are out there doing the sex work. You're you're out there putting in work. And I think it's so beautiful that we are finally getting more in tune with our bodies and with their sexuality. When I grew up, we were so sexually repressed. We still are to some degree, but not near like when I was a kid or even a young adult. I would love to see the day when we have neighborhood sex temples. (laughs) where people can go when they get horny. It needs to be normalized. It needs to be open and free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been lucky enough to find myself in a more sex-positive community recently, and it's been so freeing. Oh, yeah. But on that note, have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>
enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Get off. Feel your body. Feel the pleasure. Enjoy the pleasures of the flesh. It can be so good. Have it a, is so good. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.